0: Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. So let's get started today. We, have, uh, we started a series called My Church. My church. And last week we talked about eyes shut. We talked about all the different things that we shut our eyes to, that we close off to in church and act like they're not really there. And finding what makes the church you go to become your church is a journey that is often not talked about. And as uh, as we said last week, this month we're going to talk about what can make your church experience either extraordinary or completely terrible. Last week, we talked a lot about how it could be completely terrible, but this week, I hope that we can see the vision of it being extraordinary, and what's most important about finding your church is finding your place in it. I want us to start off with this question. Do you trust the church that you go to? You guys being here today, I hope that in your heart that answer is yes, but I want you to think about your other church experiences. Do you... Do you feel like there's moments where you doubted your ability to trust the church that you were going to? Did you feel reservation or hesitance to really fully trust that church? And today, our heart is to really get a vision, a vision of connecting with our community and appreciating each other's unique differences. And I wanted to start off with another story. Uh, Last week's stories, I think, were very moving in everybody's heart. And I have one story that I want to share with y'all today. You guys ready? Y'all like stories? Yes. Everyone likes story time. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about a, a person named Anthony. These this, this are real stories, but I've changed the names to protect people's privacy. But let's talk about Anthony for a second. Anthony was a husband and a father of two, a lot like me. After nearly 11 years together, his marriage was falling apart. Constantly fighting and never wanting to stay at home, it got easier and easier to consider divorce. After one exceptionally bad fight, Anthony had a moment where he noticed his two children crying with the older one covering the eyes of the younger one. At that moment, he realized that he had become his father, whom he had resented so much, Growing up, He was overcome with emotion and bitterness, and so he left right then and there that night before anyone else could see his tears. As he was driving around the block, thinking over and over of how it got this bad, he decided that he needed God to do something. He remembered his Christian roots way back when, and he knew that God needed to intervene. So he came back home. And he told his family that they were going to go to church that Sunday. Confused and even slightly scared, his wife asked for an explanation. Not knowing how to articulate what he felt, he simply repeated himself. We're going to church this Sunday. That's it. Still confused, yet mysteriously relieved, she accepted the statement. That Sunday, the pastor seemed to be speaking directly to Anthony. His heart was pounding. As he kept his composure in his seat at the end of the message, the pastor invited anyone up to accept Jesus into their heart. While looking at the floor between his knees, he wrestled with the unction of his heart to go up, feeling nervous and even embarrassed. He looked up at his wife to ask her if she wanted to go up to his amazement. She was in tears trying to hold back from sobbing. Their eyes met and without words they felt a strong connection of love, forgiveness, and a new commitment to work things out. They stood to their feet together and started walking towards the altar. With tears now streaming down Anthony's cheeks, they were standing there at the altar. Everything else seemed to disappear as he held tightly to his wife's hand, something they hadn't done in a long time. Right as the pastor began to explain the prayer they were about to make, the arms of their two children wrapped around their waist, tears in everyone's eyes, the family came together as one in a single moment of redemption. Years later, Anthony and his wife, still together, are leading a marriage group for young couples. Their marriage was saved at their church, And now they use their story to bring life to the church's story. This is a simple story that when we look individually at it, we see how special it is. And so easy to go to church and feel like these stories are ordinary. My dad once told me that you have to change your mindset in life to where miracles are an everyday thing. And when you hear that during a hard time, it makes you incredibly upset. <laughs> but the idea is so true, that there is so many miracles that really do happen at church that they become ordinary to us. The idea of a marriage being restored can seem so ordinary when it happens all the time. But at that moment, for that, those individuals, it's a life-changing event. I think the idea of someone even giving their life to Christ, the Bible describes it as all of heaven rejoicing for just one sinner coming to repentance in Christ. Yet at church, we just look at it as a nice idea. Oh, that's, that's very nice. I'm glad that their lives are changed forever. <laughs> we give a, a polite smile, maybe a pat on the back, but we just kind of go over it, never even celebrate it in our hearts, in our church, in our lives. It's just another ordinary thing. Let me read you all this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter six, verse eleven through thirteen. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth, and he says, "Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you." There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. Today's title is Open Hearts. Open (laughs) Hearts. And the reason we're talking about this specifically is because we are so guarded to the idea of church these days. To the point of not fully trusting the church we go to on a regular basis. We have been conditioned to believe that most churches are bad and only want to use people. That you never have to step into a church to find God so you shouldn't even try. Did you know that 36% of people don't go to church because they don't like organized religion? I mean, that's one third of people that won't even give church a chance because of that idea of it being organized. Church is more of an organism than it is an organization. It's something that's really truly alive and you can tell when it's healthy and unhealthy. But while there has been a lot of stories of churches abusing their spiritual responsibility to nurture and foster people's spiritual lives, There are a tremendous amount of stories of people giving giving church a chance and end up having an extraordinary life change. Not only spiritually, but in all facets of life. Finding my church, finding your church is one of the most healthy and benefiting things a person can do. I want us to think about the idea of our vision for church. What, What do we really want church to be? we're so young as a church that we have this incredible opportunity to create a culture of something that we've always wanted, a church that we like to go to. And church is, is a place that brings restoration, period. Church brings restoration. Even at bad churches, quote unquote bad, people get restored in their lives. If not, people wouldn't be going to them. Isn't that just think about that common sense, that common sense logic. If it was so bad, why are they filled with people? Because when you have that restoration moment in your life, you feel almost bound to the cause. You feel like you, this is a place where you had so much healing. How can I just leave? And there's so many people that have experienced that yet, Everyone that's not going to a church is saying, oh, they're just all chumps. (laughs) They just all got tricked. They're drinking the Kool-Aid. That's what happened. No, there, there is actual true restoration that happened and that's why they're going. That's why people will even continue to go even in bad circumstances. You know how many people go to their church and they don't get along with anybody but they still know deep in their heart that they're able to find restoration there. Even after the pastor did something bad. I mean, think about that concept. And that's how powerful the church is. And when we name, uh, we, we can name any need a person has and has been restored in a church. From money issues to marital issues, to problems with kids, just the individual that was at the end of the rope. People have found restoration in every single one of those aspects. Even people trying to just get healthy in their their physical self, trying to find diets and fitness and et cetera. People have found restoration of that inside of church. There's not one aspect that that the church hasn't brought restoration to somebody. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It is such a powerful tool because the center of church is Jesus. And Jesus' restoration power is so enormously powerful that no matter what it is, we can find restoration and redemption at church because Jesus is there. Isn't that an amazing thing to know? And yet, Our day and age is believed that you want to stay away from church as much as you can. Because the minute you go, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be judged. They're going to to beat you over the head with the Bible. And that's just, while that might be true for some churches, it's definitely not true for all of them. Restoration starts as a catalyst at churches and is followed by growth. Growing as an individual, no matter the aspect of life, is something most done at church across the nation. It's statistically proven that those who attend church on a regular basis become more aware of their lives and make the most changes to enhance it. Here's a fun statistic. Did you know that worshipers in a poll and a statistic were 55% less likely to die during, the, up, during an 18-year follow-up period? than people who did not frequently visit churches. I mean, think about that simple aspect right there. The way that this statistic was done is they, they have all these people that they're, they, they get this statistic from. And it's randomized. It's over a vast majority. And they did an 18-year follow-up and 55%, more than half, we're still alive. That there's such a higher increase of those who are attending church, to opposed to those who weren't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to say if you just come to church every day, you're never going to die. But these statistics are showing that there is so much health and life in the simple practice and devotion of going to church on a regular basis that it's recordable. Y'all feel what I'm saying? It is so life-giving, and you can look through all these. You can do the statistic research yourself. People who, who attend church regularly, just the fact of meeting with other believers in the presence of God does so much in your life and in your heart and in your spirit that it gives you a constant attitude of growth. How can I grow more as a Christian? How can I grow more as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a daughter, as a person, as a worker, as a servant? We, we're constantly in this mindset of God ministering to us, and that's how we continually grow as people in the world. And each person has a story that is so meaningful and powerful when they start it. Yet so often they hold their stories back out of fear of not having an ear to share it with. Out of fear, thinking that my story doesn't matter. It, it, is, it is crazy to me how many people go through the same thing and don't know about it. That this idea of church, we, we all can see how, how beneficial it is in our lives and our spirits we see this vision that God has given for restoration in the church. But when it comes to the community of church, I looked at another statistic that was really staggering to me. And it was saying that less than, I think it was less than 23% of people are consumed, are concerned with having a community outside of church. That there's less than 20, just less than 23% of people Only that meaning only about 20% of people care about having community outside of church. And so if we had a church of a hundred, only 20 people would care about meeting outside of church as friends. That 80% of people, I'm rounding off these statistics here, don't really care about your life once they leave. That's what we've been conditioned, how we've been conditioned in our culture, how to behave to not care about others, to be disconnected. I just watch your stuff on social media. I never really have to engage in your stuff in real life. Y'all feel what I'm saying? No one cares about caring about others. We would much rather buy a coffee bag that supports some fundraiser or some good idea. $2 goes to this, this need but we would much rather just buy coffee and and let it bless that organization rather than actually going physically being there and helping do something. Y'all get what I mean? Community, community, community. 44% of people don't go to church because they prefer to worship on their own. So nearly half of people do not want to go to church because they would rather just do it on their own. I found Christ on my own. And no way am I suggesting that you have to go to church to find Jesus. I didn't go to church until several months after I gave my life to the Lord. But nearly half of people will refuse to go out of isolation. I want you to think about, get in your head for a second. Do I ever get kind of crazy in your head? I get psycho. I get psycho crazy. Like I start thinking of stuff and I'm just like, man, I should never tell anybody the thoughts that I had right now. Like they will not just think like I'm crazy. They would like suggest me to a psychiatric ward. They would probably try to like get the cops called on me for sure before I did anything too crazy. Get inside your head for a second. Not my head, your head. Get inside your head for a second. And I want you to think, when was the last moment you chose to be alone instead of connected? When's the last time there's an opportunity to be a part of a community, to be a part of a group, to be a part of an event, to go to something, but you convinced yourself out of it because you'd rather be alone that day? Probably really recent, right? We convince ourselves all the time to just be by ourselves. I just need a day to myself. I just need a moment to myself. I was listening to this um, podcast the other day, this interview with this, doc, this psychiatric doctor that, um, that wrote the book uh, Boundaries. It was an amazing book. People loved it. And it, what he, this doctor, what he did was he used to do psychiatric help and health to those who were um, in addictions, depression, you know, stuff that was, you know, was really affecting their life. And then people that had relatively normal lives were like, hey, could you do that for us? They weren't really addicted to anything. They didn't have, you know, immense depression, but they're like, hey, you know, I feel like some of this stuff could help me out. And he found out that most people, when he asked them, who do you have to talk to or go to with your life and your problems. Who can you talk to? Most people said, "Well, my wife and my golden retriever, <laughs> my wife and my dog." He said, "Well, how? M- you, you really don't have anyone." And even leaders and business leaders that, that they had so much energy that they were outputting. And he asked him, well, how many people do you have to, you know, lead in a, your organization? How many people do you have to help in your workplace? What kind of things do you have to oversleep? And they were able to list, 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 and list. And he said, all right, now how many people do you have to vent to? Oh, well, I didn't know I needed to do that. And this study showed that just having people to talk to, friends, is something so extraordinarily healthy and neuroscience. Those are the, the neurons in your brain that your brain literally chemically activates differently when you just simply have a community of friends that people are scientifically proven to be happier when they have friends that they can trust and talk to when they have a community. But Nearly half of us would rather just have me time, a day to myself, and we isolate instead of involve. Y'all dig what I'm getting at? Community is the most needed thing in our churches, but the most lacking. And it happens on an individual person level. Let me read y'all a story in Genesis. Have you ever heard of the Tower of Babel? Let me read you all this story in Genesis chapter 11, verse one through seven says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words as the people migrated to the east. They found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stones and the tar was used for mortar mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the the tower and the people, the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages then they won't be able to understand each other. Now, as a backdrop to this story, you might be thinking, well, why would Mino God want to do that? Well, this tower that they were building was actually a worship altar to the stars. And in that time, the, whenever the, this pagan worship started happening, the people would start making child sacrifices. Their form of worship was child sacrifice, orgies, debauchery, all crazy stuff that we know is God doesn't like. And that only leads to destruction. And this is right after the great flood. So right after the great flood, people are like already getting started again. And God said that he was from after the great flood, that he was never going to wipe out all the earth with a great flood again. We were going to wait till judgment day before anything ever was going to happen. And so he was buying humanity some time by confusing the people so that they wouldn't go into a complete wild worship of paganism again. So now we see God as a good father is telling, pretty much turning off the stove and saying, you don't put your hand on there. (laughs) You already burned yourself again. You just forgot. (laughs) That's what God did. And so now going into this, this idea of what this scripture is saying, what we see is that the people were divided from not understanding one another. And it's a great analogy for us today. And we see that most division happens from misunderstandings, that the number one cause of tension and destruction in any relationship is misunderstandings. I know that earlier, we only have one couple right now that's right about to get married right around the bin But I'll speak on my wife and I's behalf. Seven years that we've been married. And even though my wife is always right. Today, baby. (laughs) That's for you. (laughs) Even though she's always right. Nearly every fight that we've got into. Which is barely any has been from simple misunderstanding, not misunderstanding in the sense of you said this, I thought you said that, but a misunderstanding of heart, a misunderstanding of intention. It's not that I didn't hear you clearly. It's just, I thought that you said that because of this, because of that. See, now we go into, let's look at our relationship with church. A church picks up an offering, passes buckets down the rows. And what people got out of that today is all the church is doing is out for money. Right? Simple misunderstanding. Someone showed up that day for the first time and said all they're talking about is money. I remember, real story, a friend of mine, his church... They had, they had started a series specifically talking about stewardship and money. It was designed the whole month to talk only about that so that people could learn not only spiritual aspects taught in the Bible about money, but even practical things like how to budget, what an IRA is. They were talking. It's very helpful. Everyone loved it. This one guy showed up and he told me, the guy told me about it, the guy that showed up. And he complained so much, said, I just feel like, he has gone. He went like two or three times that month. <laughs> and he said, you know, I just can't go back there. All they talk about is money. I can't take it anymore. It just makes me sick. And I thought, he offered he said i was thinking about maybe going to your church i was like oh man (laughs) if you're finding all these problems at their church you're only gonna find more at ours but isn't it so funny that one experience that we have we assume the heart and the intention of the other person of the other group and if we were to just get a clearer picture more well-rounded if we were to open our hearts to allow the opportunity to understand without an assumption, the possibilities would be endless and health and good relationship. There's thousands and millions of people who enjoy and love going to their church. But because of the closed hearts of many, they assume that all those people are just crazy lunatics Because when they went to church, it was a horrible experience. They only talked about this. They only talked about that. But the truth is, we go to these places with closed hearts, not willing to receive because we're already speculating something we thought. Y'all dig what I'm saying? These misunderstandings are enormous. But there is so much incredible power and trust and transparency and togetherness trust transparency and togetherness i love mega churches i love them most people i talk to though have this conspiracy against them oh man that did you see how much elevation church made this last year I had someone told me tell me that Elevation Church is a church where Stephen Furtick pastors at. One of the most incredible speakers in our in our time. He's amazing speaker and teacher. And I get flabbergasted. I don't know the actual definition of flabbergasted, but I feel like it just is in the word. At even just scrolling through Instagram, I I follow like a, a Jesus memes hashtag or whatever. And there's so many people that talk trash about these mega churches. Like Stephen Furtick is uh, unethical. He needs to teach Jesus instead of this and that. And I'm just like, man, you guys are morons. (laughs) I can't believe that. And when I listen to a message from Stephen Furtick, every single time I've listened to a message, I'm just like, man, I can't believe he said. Like, I can't believe the profound revelation he just shared. And I need it. I need that encouragement. See, a lot of people don't understand that pastoring is more than just teaching theology. It's taking care of people's hearts. I remember I used to be one of those people that thought, well, we just need to teach more of Jesus. Like, yeah, heck yeah. That's what we, heck yeah, we need, hell yeah, we need to teach more of Jesus. (laughs) But there's an aspect of pastoring, of shepherding to where you're caring for the flock. And that if someone is going through depression or if their marriage is falling apart or if they're in so much debt up to their eyeballs, you do talk about Jesus. Yeah. But you also talk about how to take care of certain things. I don't know how many marriages have been saved in church. And if they did, if they only spent all the time talking about theological denomination background baloney, stuff that no one really can apply in their lives, that their marriage would never be saved. And, and people have all this trash talking to these churches, mega churches. And the reason I love them is because they're just, the only reason they're that big is because they're profoundly organized. Have you ever been to somewhere and you don't even know where the restroom is? And it's, it's just chaotic. It's uncomfortable. I could go to a good restaurant that has amazing food, but if the service is bad, I'll never go back. That's why I love mega churches. Cause usually the services are really good. They're excellent. And our, it's like we have this preconceived notion that we can't trust these churches. We can't trust. It's like if a church is above a certain number, it's like, oh, that's, that's not right. That's not good. Last story about Stephen Furtick's church. My fa- probably one of my favorite churches besides Craig Groeschel's church, Life Church. But Craig Groeschel is actually a mentor of Stephen Furtick, so it's kind of like... You know, the same thing. I remember hearing a person, uh, they were complaining to me about, um, Elevation Church because Elevation Church is, is very transparent in all of their finances and receivables and givings. And so they post their yearly annual giving report. to how much they received and they even break it down to what everything went to, what things went to HR, electricity, utilities, etc. And it was like millions of dollars that, that was in this report. A couple years ago millions millions like i don't know if it's 13 million or more and this guy comes up to me he's like i can't believe that they made that much money that's just wrong and i just looked at him I was like do you know how much electricity costs <laughs> electricity costs alone is probably a million dollars or more let alone just the building for all those people to meet in it's like people have this idea that steven furtick's just Receiving all the money himself. That's not. No no church. No organization would be able to operate. If one person was, was hoarding it all for themselves. If an organization of that size. Isn't possible. To be unethical. Especially in church. And be that size. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It's just. It's so difficult to really. Do things dirty under the table like that. And. Churches usually have more transparency than our own government systems. I mean, I don't know about y'all's thoughts about our government systems, but it's hard just to read someone's email, apparently. Like, it gets pretty crazy. And churches are, most churches are so transparent, trying to provide an opportunity to trust But because it all starts with that that word right there, trust. We've been designed in our culture in America that we cannot trust church. We cannot trust ministers. We cannot trust anyone that is even teaching the word of God. Even when there is transparency. And because of that lack of trust, we can never have togetherness. Why do marriages fall apart? Lack of trust. Why do friends become enemies? Lack of trust. Why do mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, lose a closeness in their own families? A lack of trust. Why do most people protest our president and our governmental systems today? A lack of trust. Even in our own country, there's never been such a lack of trust in our own government in the history of our whole country and look at the chaos that it brings. And we're letting that same, it's that heart of distrust that has entered the church to where we enter things without the idea of possibly trusting. But togetherness, I mean, when you feel close to another individual I think that's why marriage is one of the most beautiful things in the world. Because even if your whole family sucks, you can marry somebody and have the togetherness of a family, the closeness of a best friend. And that's what church is supposed to be. You know how many people have broken families that they cannot go to and they come to church in hope of finding that sense of togetherness, but no one is willing to trust each other. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And it's, we need to realize that every individual is unique. Every person, every church is amazingly unique. And instead of expecting conformity to one another, we should be celebrating our unique differences. Instead of condemning our uniqueness, we should be celebrating it. And that's in all of our lives. I mean, think about the idea of conformity. Just that word alone, doesn't it sound like a dirty word? Conform? To me, it does. And yet, we have conditioned our lives to where you have to conform to my ideas, you have to conform to what I want church to be, you have to conform to what I want in our country. You have to conform, put your ideas and your beliefs on hold and conform to me. Is that not the message that we have been hearing lately? Is that not the message of people rejecting church? No, it should be done like this. Well, if I was a pastor, I would do it like that. Conformity. Instead of realizing that our unique differences is something to be celebrated, not condemned. I don't know about you, but I oft—I have a very particular personality, so I've been told. And people either love me or hate me. Y'all love me though, right? Oh, <laughs> oh I don't know. Lauren loves me. Not just on our anniversary either, which is today. See, people either love me or hate me. And what I've often been told in simple conversations, once people realize that I don't take myself that seriously, people will finally tell me, open up and say, you know, honestly, I was kind of intimidated talking to you. This is a conversation I had with Ray yesterday. As soon as he realized I wasn't going to kill him, he's like, you know, I was actually really intimidated about having this conversation (laughs) of meeting you. So, well, you need to chill out. (laughs) And see, the moment that in my heart that I feel either 100% or like a zero is the moments I recognize that I'm celebrated or condemned. I mean, there's places where it's obvious that I'm not liked and you feel it. And even as a pastor, as a leader, as someone that's loved by my wife and by my kids, I can feel like total poop. I just said poop because I didn't want to say crap. I can feel horrible if I feel like I'm not accepted for who I am. I understand that I have some unique differences just like everybody else. But when I realize that, that those unique differences are not accepted and that there's, a, there's this undertone of like, well, he should be more like this. I feel horrible in that environment. I hate it. I can't. <laughs> But the moments that I feel accepted for who I truly am, to where people are excited to see me, man, oh, I love, I love being in those environments. So where when you walk in, they're like, hey, hey, and everyone's so excited. My wife looked at me like, calm down, the baby's asleep. And everyone's excited. Man, I feel like 100%, 200%. Because it's like, as soon as I get there, I'm celebrated. It's like a surprise party once I walked in. Hey, you're gonna be here tight. Let's all have a handshake party, You know? high five, woo. Handshake party sounds kind of weird. Like, say high five party. <laughs> Let's not get that intimate, shaking the hands that long. But we, it feels so good, but when you walk in the room, it's like, oh, hey, you're here. Man, it feels horrible. We have the, we all have so many unique differences. We're all like these fingerprints. See, fingerprints are so interesting because from far away they all look the same. But anyone here that's a genius would know that not one fingerprint is like the other, that there's not one other human being that has your fingerprints. And even though they all look so similar, They are all incredibly, amazingly unique and different. Every person desires to be loved. Every person desires to belong. Every person desires to be heard. And you know what? Every one of us has been hurt. There's not one person in here that has not been hurt. Every single person has made mistakes. Even though you feel like you've made more than others, everyone's made mistakes. And every single one of us need forgiveness. So bad. And if we could accept this idea that in the same way we are incredibly unique and designed by God, and so is every other individual. You're unique. If we can just accept that and look to celebrate those unique differences, we can actually start building a real community of trust, transparency, most importantly, togetherness. And that's what's going to fulfill the vision of our church to become our church. Can we pray? Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. I thank you, Lord God, for every individual here. I thank you for a movement in our hearts that is unifying us, causing us to understand one another and look to celebrate the differences of others. And right now with your heads still bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here, And you never realized how unique you were to God. That you just thought you were another person on this planet. Another speck. Just drifting into chaos in this world. And today, maybe for the first time, you realized that God sees you as a unique, special individual. And you noticed today that you need forgiveness. And you want to enter in this relationship with Christ. The Bible says that all you have to do to start is have a conversation with Him. That if you simply believe in your heart, that's what we're talking about today, having open hearts. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He, that he died on the cross, that He rose from the dead, that surely you'd be saved. And that word saved is something that has become so churchy, but it's that's why our name is Grave Top. because those of us who have been, quote unquote, saved, it literally feels like we were dead before and now we're alive. And if you're ready to make that same decision, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. So what I want us to do right now is I want us all to pray together as a re- Commitment to this relationship that has been so good to us that we'd even pray for God to soften our hearts again. That we'd have open hearts and not hard hearts. So pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins, for my life. As unique as I am, as different as I am, You love me. You saw me. And you hear me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that your love is real. I believe that you are a tangible person. That you are a powerful God. And that your Holy Spirit wants to live in me. Be the Lord of my life the savior to my soul forgive me for my past and help me to walk towards the future because from this moment on i am yours and you are mine in jesus name amen i hope you enjoyed the message today if you did there's a couple things that you could do to connect First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, GraveTop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the GraveTop Church Podcast.